Good evening. Certainly good to see you here tonight. You are an encouragement to us. Behind the scenes. Thank you, John, for leading that song. I think it was very appropriate, that last one. We don't know everything, do we? We think we do sometimes, but I think daily we find out that we don't. Uh, if you look in Solomon, or at the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 11.5, uh, we get an idea of what the Bible says about this. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So God is at work, isn't he? He's always at work. Now, there's a story we're very familiar with in John chapter 11, the story of, of Lazarus. We're very familiar with that story. And we know that uh, took place in a little village uh, called Bethany. Um, and it was about two miles from Jerusalem. So it was very close to Jerusalem. Lazarus, we know, was very, very sick. And Mary and Martha knew that the answer to the problem was to get Jesus there. So they sent word for him to come quickly. And the Bible tells us that Jesus at that time was on the other side of the Jordan and it was about 20 miles from Bethany and they didn't have uh, nice uh, convertible sports cars at the time. <laughs> uh, they had to walk and so it was at least a day's walk so it's most likely that Lazarus would have been dead by the time Jesus even got word of his condition and so when the news arrived, he remained for a couple of more days. And when he does arrive, of course, we know that Martha was the first to greet him. And we know someone must have told her that he was coming along with uh, the 12 on the road. So she ran out to meet him. And of course, we know she said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And she returned to the house to tell Mary that Jesus was here and that he was asking for her. And she leaves the house and she says the same thing. If you were here, he would not have died. And of course, Jesus, we know, saw people gathering and weeping. And he was very upset by that. He was deeply moved. And he asked where they had laid him. And as he approached the tomb, um, he said, remove the stone. And of course, they weren't going to do that because it had been about four days and uh, in those conditions uh, wouldn't have been a pleasant sight. But he told them again to remove the stone. And they took it away and he looked to heaven saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he came out still wrapped uh, his hands and his feet. And Jesus said, take off the grave cloth and set him free. So we'll think about that a little bit as we go on here. Let's remember, as we are told in the Bible, that all scripture was written for our learning and encouragement. Romans 15.4 tells us this. 
For everything that was written in the past was written for our learning to teach us that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Galatians 3.24, another example. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. And John 20, 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what can we learn from the story of Lazarus? Well, first of all, we learn that Jesus knows what's going on in our lives. Lazarus became ill. The messenger was sent to tell Jesus about his friend, but, but Jesus already knew, didn't he? He said, don't worry, don't fret. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And that's sort of where we're going with the message tonight. Jesus didn't need the messenger to know what was going on. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Everybody knew what was going on. But Jesus was omniscient. He knew everything. He not only knew that he had died, but he knew what the future held for this family at that time. So we should be able to rest assured that Jesus knows what is going on in our lives. He knows what the future holds for our families. So that should be a comfort to us, shouldn't it? The past, the present, and the future are all in his hands. After all, he's the creator of the universe. That would be a small task for him, wouldn't it? But not only do we learn that Jesus knows, but he wants us to send him the message. He desires that we bring our problems to him. God wants that, doesn't he? Even though he knows. So the second thing we learn is that God can use any event to his glory and to our benefit. It's an interesting concept. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't rush to his bedside. Not because he was too busy. Not because he didn't care. He didn't want to. Not because he was insensitive. But because God was orchestrating an incredible event. And there needed to be a little bit of time to set the stage. So this is kind of the theme, behind the scenes. God knows what he's doing. So, in your life, sometimes you may be wondering, why doesn't God do something, anything for me, right now? Why is he silent when my loved ones are suffering? Why is he silent when my spouse dies? Why doesn't he bring relief for our financial struggles? Why doesn't he intervene and heal our marriage, our health issues? Why doesn't he give us an answer, whatever our current situation is? 
Perhaps that's just because that we can't see that God is doing something. We may think he's not at work. We can't see backstage in heaven, can we? We have no idea what's going on there. All we can see is today and this very moment, right now. But there are lots of scriptural examples, aren't they, that show that God is working in the background. Let's consider Job. In the first chapter of Job, the scripture pulls back the curtain, giving us a small glimpse of what's going on in the spiritual realm, in God's world of the unseen. Then, of course, the death of Jesus. This being a mother's day, what a tragedy that was for his mother. For his brothers, the apostles, all of his followers, all they could see was the end to a very special relationship. The end of their messianic hope. All they could see was their awesome loss. They certainly couldn't see any possible good from this event, could they? But heaven could. And of course now we can. So aren't we glad that God was at work behind the scenes? So listen again to uh, the scripture text, Ecclesiastes 11.5. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So God really is at work in all things. He's at work in the tough times, times that we can't understand. We have a problem making good out of things sometimes. But the scripture promises us that he is at work right now in all things, and underline that word all, in all things. All things work out to our good, to our benefit. We just don't realize it sometimes. The third thing that we learn from this passage about Lazarus is that Jesus cares and that he is close enough to us for us to reach out and touch him not physically but spiritually so remember the two disciples who walked along the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 their Messiah was dead their teacher crucified the only one they had followed for three years was gone. They expected great, three, great things from him while he was alive. They expected the establishment of a kingdom. They had trusted him to set all the iniquities that were going on right in their eyes. They wanted him to save Israel and set them free from Roman domination. They wanted him to save, they wanted him to return the glory days of David and Solomon to Israel. That's what they were expecting, weren't they? They didn't get that. And just a few hours before, they heard him cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But now they're 
confused and dismayed and disillusioned. Their faith, you might say their faith cord, had been severed. But what they didn't realize was that Jesus was walking next to them, close enough for them to touch. We've got to remember things like that. They must have felt much like Moses as he was trying to deliver Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Pharaoh kept tightening the noose around their neck, but things became much worse. So where was God? Well, he was right there working in the background. Or like Joseph, he had been dumped to die in the bottom of a well by his brothers, and he'd been thrown into jail because he tried to do the right thing in Potiphar's house. But where was God in all this? And there are times that when we may feel like David in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? What we must know is that God is not far from any one of us. He's close enough for us to touch him. The scriptures verify this, don't they? Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Of course, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of the ocean, you are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea in foreign lands, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. <clears throat> if life's dark moments hide me, the darkness is light to you. So he's always there. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So, let's always remember, regardless of how far we may feel that God is from us, we must not base our faith on our feelings, but upon the promises of God. And the fourth and last thing, we must know that God has timing which is always perfect. Not like us. I believe we might be imperfect most of the time, right? Waiting on God's timing may be the hardest thing we'll have to do in life. Patience is not a 21st century virtue, is it? We want everything right now. Patience has always been difficult to come by, hasn't it? If you remember uh, what, when God promised Abraham a son, both he and Sarah had wanted a son for years. They had waited. So they decided to help God out with his time. 
We know the consequences of that. And don't you know that Job got pretty tired of suffering before God finally intervened? David was anointed king of Israel, but he had to run and hide for 14 years from Saul. God had a different time scale. Mary and Martha did not understand Jesus' timing. <clears throat> but if you look at it, it was perfect, wasn't it? Of course, Paul speaks of God's perfect timing in Galatians 4. Just at the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. The time was right, wasn't it? So, God worked through approximately 4,000 years of human history to bring Jesus into the world at just the right time. And don't you think that his timing in our lives is perfect also? Think about that. God's timing is always for our greater good, even when we don't understand it. Even when we don't, when we don't understand it. That's hard, isn't it? But that's how we've got to believe. But we're not the only ones who didn't understand. The early church had the same problems. 1 Peter 3.9 speaks of our salvation. He said, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had, a, you have had to suffer in all kinds of trials. These have come so your faith of greater worth than gold, with, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let's always remember that. When we go through our financial straits, when our relationships break up, when we have critical health issues, into death itself. When life tumbles in, be faithful, trust in Jesus, don't allow your faith cord to be severed, and you'll receive the crown of life. We're told that. So, perhaps like Martha and Mary, our life has tumbled in, and God seems distant and unreasonable and unreachable. We should always remember that he's close enough to touch. If any of you find yourself in a situation like that and you need the prayers of the church, this would be the perfect opportunity. You're here with your family and those who love you. Whatever your needs, come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song.